Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're measuring flicks Okay. Uh, wait, before we so before we get into the background, Bird, you have some notes on the movie. I do. Perfect. Can I just start and we'll yeah, just fire. Okay. That's how I usually do mine. <laughs> These are capital B, capital G bad guys. Yes. And I was That's just like, oh, they're pretty mm, bad. Bad guys. And I was. They all seem to genuinely hate each other. Yeah. So why are they together? It's. Uh, I think it's part of because them being, they are bad guys, and we I have think, to have. No, I think it's supposed to be the the flipped family dynamic. Fair enough. They're together. Bird, actually, think about this. You, you we won't say names, but I know a couple of families who hate the fuck out of each other, but they're still they stay together. Staying they're still together a family. for kids. I mean, seriously. Am I wrong? Are you sure that wasn't on mic? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But, like, for real. Right? Yeah. But, yeah. So, but, yeah, so this but is... But there's nothing that, it's like, the dark family dynamic. ties them together. There's no... Toby like, Hooper did Texas Chainsaw before this or after? After. It was after. Yeah. Interesting. Because that, that is that family dynamic done better. That, that well, that's actually in an actual family, though. That's season three. Fair Texas enough. Chainsaw on the um, But no, I totally agree. I had that written down. These are capital bad guys, bad guys. and we know because of how shitty they are to each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The radio broadcast and they pop a balloon. <gasps> oh, they must be man guys. They, they pop, pop a balloon. balloon. Those bastards. bastards. And they smoke uh, they, cigars. And they know about marijuana. Yes. Grass. Oh, dude, Grass. jazz cabbage. That's a surefire. <laughs> It's a surefire way. Yes. <laughs> That's a surefire way to know that you're dealing with bad guys in movies. Um, Go ahead. When, um, so when Mary goes to the concert with her friend. Yeah. After they drink vermouth. Right. Um, they, don't, they never make it to the concert. No. Yeah. But the idea is that they're going to be out late. Super late. Yeah. Like, all night, probably. Concert got done at 2 a.m. Right. Yeah. So why are her parents putting up decorations and, like, making a cake and frosting it and all that jazz? Maybe her birthday is the next when... day or something. Oh, go ahead. I don't know. It just was that so is weird. weird to me. No, like, I don't. I th- she's going to come home from the concert and we're going to have cake. I don't think. Yeah. I think that they, they say on the phone that everyone everyone was gone by like two yeah. or something like concert that. Concert ended at two. I think what she's supposed what is supposed to be inferred is like because they they call the cops around dawn, which is like four thirty or five. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe what is supposed to be inferred is she'll be home by like Okay, we're gonna let you go to this thing, but you need to be home by midnight, eleven or midnight. Mm-hmm. Even if you know if the concert goes till two, goes a little bit long because they're still awake right. at dawn to call the cops. So I think maybe the plan was like we'll do a quick birthday thing when she gets home. Like oh, you had your concert, happy birthday, happy, happy birthday cake before you go to bed. All right, let's let's hit it. I mean, I I'm mm-hmm. with you though. It is a little weird. It was just it's like, running and I spin on your grave time. Right, correct. So actually, they were expecting her home. Somewhere next between, September. Yeah. <laughs> At the, the end of yeah, The only season. reason that I could justify it is just so that Wes Craven can have the fight in this living room. 
Yeah. And so that happy we can birthday. have this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I could it's worth it. come up with. It's so fucking cool. Cross-stitching the shit out of that. Dude, just, you know what? Sometimes for something as cool as that, you give it a pass. You're like, these parents are weird. You had to give a lot of passes. Seriously. Yeah, I'm with you. It's mm-hmm. It doesn't hold together that you're right. That is a logical fallacy Fine. of the film. We should, you know what we should do? We should call up Wes Craven and ask him. Oh, that's Yo, sad. Wes. Dude. Sorry. He, capital D dead, bro. I know. I'm sorry. Wait, he is? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Don't you remember? Mm-mm. Oh, man. I, I did a Nightmare on Elm Street binge that day. Um, it's, no, uh, the um, zombie guy. I remember he is dead. Oh, yes. Oh, George A. Romero. Yes. Fuck. Yep, that's correct. Um, uh, what else you got? Blast on through, baby. So when they get trapped at the apartment, the bad guy's apartment, um, they're fucking around with Mary's friend mm-hmm. in this group, and everybody's like centered around her. Mm-hmm. And you see from the shot that Mary's just standing in the back, yeah. and Junior's not paying any attention to her. Correct. She could just leave, yeah. but she doesn't. He's not gonna leave her we're, reinf- we're reinforcing again, it's important, Mary is not a survivor. Mary is mm. completely innocent. It's reinforced again. Uh, she, might be, she might be trapped yep. in the headlights a little bit there. Yeah, the whole movie is, is her in the headlights, hyperventilating and panicking and being like devastated by what's happening to her. And they kind of establish- I know that's part of like the horror movie, if yeah. she doesn't get away, well, no, but it movie? is really mad. It's, it's maddening that she doesn't just the door is right there. Right, it's right there. I buy this. It's, I, yeah. I'm I buy it, beca- especially because we have Lucy for contrast. Yeah, because Lucy does. We see we have a character who's like, I'm gonna I see an opening. You're I'm gonna, gonna run. run. Yeah. You're gonna run. Okay, I have another note about that though. How Mary doesn't run? No, about how she's in the cemetery and she could totally get away. She'd already been stabbed at that she, point. She got stabbed in the back, like right above her spine. She's able to run. No, she's not. What? She runs away from them. She like and st- runs to the cemetery, and they like. Oh, when she's in the cemetery before she gets stabbed. No, she gets, she's stabbed before the cemetery because they find her crumpled against a tree in the cemetery. They walk. No. They walk over to her. I, the stabbing must have been after. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. Anyway, she's running. We can spin it again. Here's what here's what happens, and as as I remember it, which I'm pretty sure I'm hundred percent correct, is ho ho. I'm nine I'm nine here's what happens. They catch up with her. Yes. And because Sadie got hit in the face with a rock, Weasel pops his knife in anger and stabs her in the sp- like right in the as spine. As soon as they catch up to her, they stab her. Yeah, because she hits the ground, and it's it's actually kind of disturbing because her pants are partly down, and you see her underwear and her jeans, the back of her jeans, Start soaked, soaked in blood. blood. Yeah. And then they're all standing around, and that's when um. No, she uh, Krug is there because he startles her with the machete, right. and she runs back, and that's when she gets stabbed in the spine. And they all just stand around talking because she's clearly too wounded to escape. And they're like, I thought you had this under control. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I feel better. Don't worry about it. Oh, Sadie, she got hit in the head. And then they like turn and they walk over to where she is like against a tree. She crawled away. Yeah, she's crawled away against a tree because when Krug hauls her to her feet, she screams in pain. And that's right before she gets stabbed to death because she's already been stabbed in the back at that point. So that's why she doesn't make it to the road. Yeah. There was certainly a moment where I was like, She's definitely faster than them. She could definitely get away from yeah, them. And she it's just when like Krug comes out with doesn't. the machete that, that and it has the whole sting, the bing bing. Yeah. yeah. And I know it's the whole like we have to capture right, her right, again. Right, right. But the road movie. is right there and that's that right. whole thing so close to safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You're fucked. 
Maybe. Uh, again, I won't. I'm not going to give this this uh, too much credit. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm able to do some pretty severe mental, some pretty crazy mental gymnastics. I'm a yeah. huge watermill movie fan. Yeah, I know, right? You gotta, you gotta sometimes just figure your way through the movie because the filmmakers aren't helping They're you at all. Any- They're like, wait, why didn't they just? And you're like, well. She's afraid of blue doors <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> <Right>. you know, <laughs> you do what you can. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you get to do? Um, she can't twist her wrists to the right. She doesn't go to the right. She can only twist her wrists to the left. She can only lock a door. She can't unlock a door. door. Right. Mm. We missed that. Because she broke kind her. Kind of like you can't start a car. Because, right. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how, I don't how to know put how to, keys well, in the thing. I don't Because she uh, was in. Oh, the shifter. The shifter. Oh, and you know what it is? It's because, it's because she was in acrobatics when she yeah. was a child and she broke, broke her, her wrist, wrist in a really specific kind of way. So, oh, you what's your ridiculous. next note? <laughs> um, going back to when they're leaving the apartment, it gives us that little, like, title card down at the bottom. Oh, that like, n- early the, the next morning. Like, Thank you, yeah. movie. Like, you didn't even need to. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of unnecessary. <laughs> I'm with you. Early the next uh, for hours hours later. later. Exactly. No defense. Exactly. No defense for that. It's like, why'd you do that? Don't do that. Um, the crazy bad chick fucking Krug in the car. In the car. Yeah. I'm what? with you. Again. What? I was like, I, is she fucking him? She is fucking him. No, she... Sadie She just, Freddy. she looks so mad. Yeah, I was like, like why? Head to the country, have them some fun with those two little right, children and, and they've got. I wouldn't have even known that they were fucking, except that he's they like. They keep talking about yeah, how they're fucking. Yeah, yeah. right. And he clearly kind of likes to be watched. It's the mm-hmm. most. It's like a it's thing the for him. most bored sex you've ever seen. Yeah. Jim Krug is for like both of them. barely mm-hmm. awake and said he's just like. He's smoking a cigar, like right. having a conversation. And I get—I only kind of assumed that he fucked her earlier in the apartment before the girls showed up in front, in front of, of Weasel. Weasel and I'm with his, you. Yeah, I'm with and you. This is this is again not good. The just, good not good part. Nope. <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> Little John and Frank are going to the forest. So la do la la. Killing kids and yeah, yeah, Cali what a day. Jesus, um, I want to fuck a kid. Wow. Well, That's I what mean, she said. Is, I say weird shit on <laughs> the show. That's what they do. I she's 17. She is underage. She's 17. So, Carl, that's justified. So and also, correct. that's how I'm going to sing that song for me. <laughs> <laughs> I've ruined Disney's Robin Hood totally, for you. No, Disney ruined a lot of early Disney uh, stuff for yeah, me. Yeah, that's fair enough. Carl, why is the red man red? Mm. That's in Peter Pan, bro. That is in the original. <laughs> have you never seen the original Peter Pan? I have seen the original. Why is the red man red? Oh, fuck. It's in the fucking movie, dude. Oh, it's- and there are crows and Dumbo uh, being yeah. unseen by everything. Yes. Yeah, yeah. dude. Early Disney is fairly racist. Fair enough. And by fairly mas- racist, it's I like mean stunningly totally racist. racist. Oh, my God. Yeah. It, uh, new DVDs have cut that out, but I have the VHS tape. And every once in a while, you, you just, just put that on and you're like, this was a thing that they did in yeah. like the nineties, almost. It was okay. It was no problem at all. Yeah. So that's that's Disney. Shit. That's I'm. You looked at me like, what are you doing? You're sinking us. I'm like, no, no, no. This is this in is Peter it. Pan, man. Fuck. Sorry. Continue, Brit. Um, <laughs> I wonder if this is where the um, the police incompetence trope starts. Interesting. Because um, I don't. 
Um, there is usually like some sort of incompetence in law enforcement in movies, but not to this extent. Idiots. This is really where they're big. cartoon um, characters. Yeah. They yeah, carry it's their like, gun. Um, who's the guy that only gets one bullet and he can't even put it in his oh, gun? Quick um, drama gras. No, no um, he's in. Um, we talked about it. They carry their on guns the over their dicks. By the yes, way, yes, they do. That is a very powerful metaphor for the phallus as a weapon. Just yeah. gonna throw it out there while we're talking about the bumbling cops. He only has one round. And yeah, can't they ever only get give it. him one bullet. Yeah, it's um the is it, something show. It's Andy um, Griffith. Yes, it is. Oh, it's yeah. oh gosh, Andy. Oh, go oh, Andy. Yeah. It's it's Gomer Pyle. It's the it's the it's the guy it's who Donald. Will, it's Don, Don Knotts. Don Knotts, but he's yes. the deputy. Yeah, yeah. And they give right. him one bullet, mm. and this will later later be revisited. In um, shit, that Will Ferrell, Mark Wahlberg film where they give Will Ferrell a wooden gun <laughs> because he does a desk pop. Like this is this is a thing, and actually, it's kind of interesting. It did it start here? The, to this, I feel like it's pretty damn close. It's got to be. It's not. It's pretty. It's cool. like a, it's a definite part of with these this bumbling. Films. Yeah, cops have been incompetent before, but they are fucking idiots in this movie. Yeah. Oh God! When he when he puts his head to the ground, he's like, "I hear a truck." I hear a truck. He's got and chickens, chickens. on it. Oh, no, and you're this like, was "Funny." That was what? funny. I liked that. I thought that was funny as fuck. He's like, "Yeah, it's a truck." And he's like, "What?" Okay. And then he's. I think he says, hey, "Okay, Tonto." Tonto. Tonto. And then yeah. he goes, "Chickens on it too." And he's like, "Okay, what the fuck are you even talking about?" And then chicken truck chicken shows, truck shows up. up. Yeah. I liked it. It it's a me mm. thing though. That's a me thing. It's not. It's not an objection. Uh, um, and there's uh, always that gun. weird Keystone Cops music playing whenever they're. <laughs> What else you got, boo? Anything? Just so completely ridiculous. Any more um, notes? Oh, so much stuff. Just oh, don't you worry, shit. darling. Keep flying. All right. Um, crazy chick. Okay. Sadie. Um, yeah, she's like all over the place. Where the guys are at least kind of consistent and have yeah. like a line. She's, she's just like, whoa. Yeah, she's definitely totally. over boop, the boop, top. Boom. Look at that dough rising all good. Sorry, I saw my sourdough. Uh, I have a sourdough loaf that's rising right now, and I can see it, and it's just twice its size. It's ready to go. Crusty's looking real good. Thank you. She's looking good. But no, I would agree completely that she is... She's a very inconsistent She's way yeah. the fuck over the place. Just can, oh, uh, can I really quick fun fun note about the, like, the, the filmmaking and the post... After this movie came out, um, for, like, almost a decade... People would come up to her and like there was a there's a famous there's an anecdote she gives in one of the documentaries <laughs> called the the celluloid crime of the century where a mother and child came up to her and the little kid pointed at her and said, I hate you. And the mom was like, oh. the mom was like, no, you don't hate her. She played a character. It was in the news. The kid didn't see the movie. Right. But like the, the, the movie was controversial and they were in the news. And she sees that. She She's, recognizes she that. She saw person. that girl and she goes, no, she plays a character and you hate her character because her character is that bad person. And the girl goes, no, she is a character, but I hate you. And pointed at her because she had because she had done it right there's a there was a really oh because she did the movie because she did it at all there's a really interesting bit of the documentary they take about five minutes to talk about the aftermath of the film they were fucking pariahs David uh, I I think his name's David Hess or David I think it's David Hess the guy who plays Krug he says he was chased by people in New York because his, his face was on all the posters and shit and people saw him and they'd be like, hey, you're that fucking asshole who made that movie and they t- would like run him down and he Fuck. had to flee. Wes Craven, fame, uh, this is a, one of his anecdotes that he gives. His wife 
and him through a dinner because he was like kind of in the academic circles and they had a bunch of friends over for dinners and and his wife was like well he uh actually uh Miss, uh, West just directed a film, and then everyone's like, "Oh, really, West? Tell us what, yes, what, yes, what, 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 what film was that?" And she goes, "It's Last House on the Left," and three of them immediately left. Yeah, I'm three see. people got up and left. The dinner was like really subdued, and he says, "After that, I noticed that our friends, the friends who would still talk to us, they were they behaved differently, and none of our acquaintances would let Wes be like alone in a room with their kids." Oh, jeez. Like that's a little yeah. not being able to separate the artist yeah, from their art. Yeah, I know yeah. that's that's a thing that's consistent. We talked about it for recently. So currently, like yeah, yeah. Some stories that I want to write that have like dark matter. I'm like, oh, I really want to write that story because I don't want people to think that that's how my brain actually oh, I don't, works. We've had that firsthand. I, I don't blink. Really? What, what was yeah. it? Give me the name of the of the. It was my one of my senior pieces. Oh yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. We did have that. Um, I. Some of the people I showed the script to Marlon. This, this script is much different than what I shot, but right. the original. Oh, and yeah, you had that with Marlon and um. And what? Steven. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. When I the, like, I have, I've, I've had this, this where people can't divorce what I wrote in the original the script, and even in the movie we shot. Like, what? This is a piece of art that I made, but I have, I lost friends over it. People wow. were like, "You're fucked up. I can't believe this yeah. came out of your mind." And I'm like, "What?" Hmm? You know me. I'm Goofy Old Max. Yeah. <laughs> what are you yeah. talking about, man? It's so weird, though, because you do generate the idea in your head, so it's... It's it's, it's part of it's you. It's part yeah. of you, but I think there's a... But it's also just self-expression. You know? Right. It's imagination. It's, that doesn't make you the, the horrible person or the monster. Right. It's... We all imagine things. Definitely. And characters and situations. We all carry a darkness and deny that is... The show Dexter actually... Addresses it head on. Heavily, but... I, what do you think of this? I think that there is a certain amount. There's there are people in the world who are have a certain amount of of uh, div- divorcedness or mm-hmm. or distance from their emotional selves. Because I was I, I talk about this all the time with my friends, which is like every single one of us has imagined like. Like oh fuck that guy! I wish I could. like you imagine in your head I'd fucking like, kill that killing guy. a coworker or like you know like someone cuts you off in traffic and you have this brief fantasy where you walk up Run to them, them at over, a stoplight yeah. or yeah like everyone that's universal and if you're if you sit there and say like no I've never thought of it you're lying you're to yourself lying. if you if you say that you've never had a dark or violent fantasy or had a fucked up thought that was kind of disturbing to you you're totally you're utterly in denial. And that's why I like horror mm-hmm. so much. There's a, like horror movies. Actually, I have a note about this when you finish your mm-hmm. notes. Unless you want to hit it right now. Go for We're it. talking about it. Let's do it. Wes Craven has a great quote in the documentary Still Standing, uh, Legacy of Last House on the Left. He says, the horror filmmakers of a given time will go to the horrors of their culture at that time. So he was he he points to like if you look at what a lot of the horror movies in the nineties right. were about it was like there was a lot of like like cyber horror and mm-hmm. then what he points out is nowadays and I think the documentary came out in like twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen he says um, one of the horrors of our culture now is that our culture now has condoned torture this is when waterboarding oh, huh. yeah. advanced and oh, tape. And that is the same time period when hostile? all the Saw and Hostile uh, yeah. movies came out. Porn and porn torture, became a thing. the birth of torture porn was during that, um, 
during that time period and he's like the he basically says like the the directors who are the people who are working with horror will show what they're horrified of again holding the mirror up to nature mm-hmm. exactly yeah. exactly so like when you look at there's a great a great book by Stephen King it's nonfiction it's called Dance Macabre and it's a history of horror and his take on horror and like the horror that has affected his life and when you look at how he describes it he's basically like um around the time when like the when like the AIDS crisis was blowing up is the same time that slasher films pop up and he thinks that there's a correlation between mm. people being afraid of sex and showing a bunch of teens having unsafe sex, sex and being then killed. killed yeah so like there's and there's a there's a, another interesting parallel which is in times of depression like in the when when the world is affluent horror doesn't do very well but in the great de- like in pre- depressed economic times or when times are tough or in times of war horror sees little booms right and, and also um that correlation between um, a president and what vampire or zombie films are popular. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. What is that? Flesh that out a little. um, I think it is when there is a Republican in office, zombie films are really popular. This is a thing. And when it's a Democrat in office, it's vampires. Right. It's it's a weird thing. Yeah, I've I've read this too. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard weird? that before. That's I don't cool know if it's causation or correlation. Right, you know, right, right. Either way, but, that's cool. I never heard that before. That's awesome. And it kind of, in a weird way, it sort of does make sense a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, especially given the nature of those films, which mm-hmm. is zombie films are like the horror of a, of a mass and vampire vampire mindless films mass. mindless mass yeah, yeah. or like the, yeah, like, sh- like the shuffling hunger of the masses or whatever. Although George A. Romero specifically bends the genre to be about consumerism, which is also oh, really cool. I love cool. that. But, uh, but vampire films are a fear of the... Basically a fear of the, the individual. Like the mm-hmm. dangerous individual. Mm-hmm. That's kind of interesting. Alluring individual. Yeah. There's, a, there's a bunch of movies that were... Um, I can't remember which which one specifically, but basically it was after um, the guy who climbed the water tower... And started sh- in the the beginning of mass shootings, a lot more um, like psychological thrillers involving assassination cropped up, and in the wake of John F. Kennedy too. Interesting, but yeah, so I, I think that that's interesting that he he pointed out basically when he was making movies, when he made this movie, he was expressing his like his what was horrifying to him was the culture of violence he was seeing grow and adapt and the the lack of of recognition of what actual violence was so he made a movie that was actual violence and pointing out in like the 20 2010s when dick cheney's up and up on the television being like yes we are they're advanced interrogation techniques but what he's basically saying is like yeah we're torturing people." people and huge chunks of society were like good torture their families too let's get those terrorists and you know the people who are creating art like, are oh like, yeah let me show you torture yeah or like you know like what is ups- what's upsetting to me right now and what's upsetting to me right now is my government is saying that torture is okay well let me make a movie about let me it's make a movie about torture it's not always that clear cut though no, i don't think no. it's always such a conscious no uh, yeah I, definitely and there's a lot of layers of metaphor that sure. go into things too but it's an interesting thing to like to put out there and to recognize mm-hmm. right is that a lot of times the horror of a generation and that's this is important as a, as a film conversation there are a few genres that I think are elevate 
to the level of modern mythology. A lot of times, war films can do it. Like, for example, when you see Apocalypse Now, mm-hmm. or you see, uh, mostly it's the Vietnam films. A lot of modern films are very, like, like masturbatory, like, oh yeah, look at these American heroes, yeah. and they're just gunning down. Well, Black Hawk Down is not, though. No, yeah, yeah, there are, like I said, it's... Is it not always? Okay, gotcha. What, most Vietnam films don't say like wasn't vietnam great they're like war is hell and let me show it to you Mm -hmm. so it it creates this mythological space around vietnam westerns we covered some of the great westerns this is the american myth these are the these are the symbols that operate in the american mythos that that are the foundation of who we are as a country and i think horror films do it in a way that is very akin to like greek mythology Mm -hmm. where the horror film, remember Addison had that definition. Mythology is anything which records a society's hopes, aspirations, and fears. Horror movies are the, that element of our culture which captures a moment of fear. Mm-hmm. What is it that makes us afraid as a culture right now? Clowns. <laughs> Clowns, definitely. Well, in a weird way, the, like It, for example, and movies like that, is I've I've always read them as an analog for like in the wake of John Wayne Gacy. It's sort of that fear of an adult preying on children. Yeah. Oh, like I thought fe- it was you are pretending to be something you're not. You are hiding your true self. There you go. But that too. But yeah. no matter what, yeah. But what? And that's the beauty of horror is you bring you, you bring your own shit to it. A lot of times, that's yeah. why when the director shows you the monster, the movie becomes less scary because you can't bring your own monster to the table anymore. So horror, mm. yeah, horror is you you bring your fears and insecurities to this beautiful sort of like receptive metaphor. You're watching this these symbols on the screen and you bring your horror to it. And it's a, very deep, dark monkey brain archetypes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. You allow, yeah, you allow, you allow the metaphors on the screen to speak to your particular terror. And when the, that's why there are some horror movies that are bullshit because yeah. it's like, <laughs> and here's the scary monster, and you're like, oh, okay, oh. this isn't about um, pedophiles that murder children, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Which one? Cloverfield. Oh god. Cloverfield could have been so good. Uh. Um. Yeah, so, okay, do you have do you have more notes, Bird? Yes, sir, I do. Oh, Excellent. boy. So much shit about the damn phone. They talk about it, oh, like, the phone. five fucking times, and it never turns into anything. I don't even remember anything about a phone. At the very oh beginning God. of the movie, it's like, the phone doesn't work, and the next thing, ah, I got to think the phone's working again. No. And oh it's God. like, totally glossed oh over God. it. Oh, <laughs> And then they cut the phone. Was like, Did I'm they Chekhov's gun it? They may have. Okay, the Chekhov, Chekhov's gunned it. Got uh, more? Blast yes, on through, because I only have two more notes. Um, Did you l- think we would go this long on Last, yeah. last House? Okay. Yeah. Um, but discussion, not the film. Yeah. Yeah, okay, me too. <laughs> there are a lot of people who want to be animals or transformation metaphors. Did you guys pick up on that? Um, frog, cow, duck. Oh, people pretending yeah, pretending to be, be animals. Interesting. Yeah. His name is Weasel. Oh, Fairy. yeah, I didn't even... Wow. Yeah. The animalistic nature of man, maybe. Mm-hmm. That was one of the... Yeah, because he's like, he's the bullfrog thing that June even does. Mm-hmm. The whole bullfrog thing. Yeah. I could be a bullfrog, and then there's... The police says something about um, being a duck, uh-huh. and the other one's like, oh, oh, did you ever want to be something that you're not? And the guy's like, like, what, a duck? 
Yeah, that's and you're interesting. like, what? That's really interesting. I don't remember the cow one, but do you remember? There's a cow one. Yeah, it's when he's like, uh, <clears throat> he's like, we, you want some grass like a cow? Oh. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. That's a cool That is another little Performance note that I like When she's like get, get let us out of here And he pops the knife And gets her against the wall And he's got the knife To her neck And he just looks at her Totally deadpan And goes Moo It's like this really flat yeah. Where oh. there's a shift Between like I'm being goofy And he's like I will cut your fucking throat But he's still doing the moo mm-hmm. I like that I like that little Little beat There's a touch of tension there um, Hey Bird Do you remember we, When we were writing or when I when I was getting the original draft out to cast Marlin, we were talking about the concept of um, of using a werewolf as a metaphor, someone who seems normal, but on the mm-hmm. on on a just a turn of a dime or a switch becomes this insanely over the top violent thing, and just as suddenly switches back to being mm-hmm. normal, and that that's what the werewolf thing is all about is the dual the dual nature of man and duality. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. So go go ahead. My other notes are kind of just bullshit notes. Burn through them. We won't um, interrupt you. Just why re- didn't they get lost in the woods at all? All these city slickers. Hmm? Good question. Hmm? I don't know. Uh, Incredible sense of direction. Junior mm. looks like Shia LaBeouf. Yes. yes. Like a weird, upsetting Shia LaBeouf. Mm-hmm. Um, weird, upsetting. Oh, the acting is so stellar. Soundtrack too. Not. Man, I there was something about there was something about hearing the movie explained in the songs where I was just like this is fun. <laughs> um, when the bad guys wash all the blood off, are they washing the blood off in the same water that Mary is in? And also weird maybe, maybe baptism I think so. metaphors there. Yeah, washing their washing their away their sins. It's definitely there. There's something. But I, the actually, Mary going into the, Mary the water. Going into the water. There's, yeah. there's, also, her name's, her name's Mary. Mary. Yeah. Mary. Yeah. There's a moment. M A R I, but M A R I with a heart. There's something I liked about that when Sa- <laughs> there's a there's a very naturalistic moment when Sadie is looking back at Krug and Weasel and she's like, "Did I get it all? Oh, I didn't. I mean, oh, yeah. They're like washing watching them wash the blood off. There's a there's something going on there that that I responded to. Go ahead. Um, the police failed them. This is one of those moral quandaries. Mm-hmm. That yeah. yeah, the movie the movie leaves you with a question. It's like they shining this too. They what? They're the shining. The character in the shining, traveling, traveling, traveling. End of the movie doesn't really matter. Gets in, dies. That doesn't happen in the book. The book and the movie are different. Right. In that I know. Way. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Scatman Crothers is pretty useless in that film. But I like the question that this movie leaves us with, which is like. You know, it, Why did I watch this? No, <laughs> are they justified? I'll say this. I will say this. If you can, if this is the kind of movie that you think you can stomach, first of all, it's not as bad as you think it is. I oh, is that before? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's if, Yeah, if it's you're rough. a modern horror fan, if you've seen you've Saw, seen if you've seen Hostel, this is no fucking problem at this all. This is for like you. lukewarm compared to that. Yeah, but I will say this. This is a piece of like horror movie horror movie history, and if you can if this seems like if you've seen Hostel or Saw, you should watch this. This is a movie that is like is worth at least one watch. I'll spin it again for sure, but like this is worth at least one go around. Here's yeah, my I feel like you need kinda, to kind of know your roots, and this is one of those. Yeah, films. yeah. This is what, even though it's it's I feel like it's not a good movie I do appreciate it for what it is and sort of 
when it came out and the fact that Wes Craven became Wes Craven after mm-hmm. this. And it's like right. it's an important movie to This is where it all yeah. starts. Yeah. You can, you can no. see mm-hmm. Wes Craven beats here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can see what he will eventually become here. Yeah. This is and then and yeah, as for anybody who likes the bloody violent like Texas Chainsaw, like you don't get Texas Chainsaw without this. You probably don't get Friday the thirteenth without this. Right. But speaking of, you definitely don't get I spit on your grave. The, pro- no. the producer on this movie ends up um, being the director of Friday the Thirteenth in the future. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, um, I wrote down. I have a couple notes. One, Craven likes the remake. They the remake is a, is a lot more. As I'm recalling, I've seen it once. It's a lot more rompy. Yeah. Mm, they he okay. he describes it as. It, he's like it has its own tone it's not like my movie it's like a European version of my sure. movie where it has oh, okay. like a little bit of like art to it he says it's very lyrical he he was a fan of the remake two I have a quote from Craven that is kind of a, an interesting note on what he was going for with this film is he says horror often takes prisoners you know like that like take no prisoners he says horror takes often takes prisoners with an unwillingness to go to the core the bone of nastiness violence and cruelty of true horror and that's what he was talking he he goes on to talk about the documentary aesthetic of like don't turn the camera away Mm -hmm. it's like a lot of times horror will like give you a scary idea and then it'll cut to a new scene and And your brain fills it in is this the um the parents or is this the viewers who is he referring to all of it he says he says when you watch a a lot of times up to up to 1972 when he did this movie he said most of the horror that he'd seen was like the horror definitely left you with a lot to the imagination he's talking about the viewers it doesn't subject the viewers to the actual horror the The actual horror right Right. where he was yeah it's exactly the blunted blade whereas he's like okay I'm gonna just I'm gonna do it. Let's see what happens when I do it. And what happens is like theaters were threatened with bombings right. and people tried <laughs> to destroy the print and he did like none of these actors could get work for almost a decade because yeah. people were so disgusted. And he's like Also well, they're not good actors. So that could have something with not being none of hired. yeah, none of them really went on to do a whole lot more after this. The director and producer worked forever. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ever. His yep. his Wes Craven's partner launched three different I can't remember which ones, but Friday the thirteenth and two other horror franchise films. And then he, Wes Craven goes on to do Nightmare on Elm Street. Street. Helms, Hills have eyes, Scream. Scream. Yeah, he did the Scream trilogy and he won an Oscar for a musical he did with Meryl Streep. Like hmm? Yeah. What? Oh yeah, Wes Craven goes on to have like one of the most amazing careers you've ever fucking seen. Oh, I'm thinking of Sam Raimi. But he shows mm. so like he's like, "Oh, now I know. What happens when you show people real violence is they become violent." They and they, yeah, they get violent. He's like, "Hi, I came to see a bunch of teenagers have sex and get killed, not see a bunch of teenagers have sex and get killed, god damn it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really, there's a weird double standard that this movie... And I'm gonna blow up your fucking theater. Yeah, he's like, this movie's too violent, I'm gonna kill you. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, this, no, this movie, yep. like, p- pulls off a band-aid and shows a fucking weird festering wound in the human psyche, man. Yep. Like, the reaction to this movie is extremely telling. Um... And then another thing that I thought was really was important enough to write down as my it's my last note from the documentary. All of these were from Still Standing. Um, Wes Craven grew up a Baptist and wasn't allowed to watch movies. Mm, he loved man. It's the church kids. Yeah, I know, they right? Go. Seriously, he loved poetry, and his aspiration as a child was to write the great American novel. He wanted to like be an F. Scott Fitzgerald or an Ernest Hemingway. Wow. 
Um, and he says he blames his film or he credits his film career to the blames. fact <laughs> might have that, the first time. A bit, yeah. Maybe he he said he approached the writing of this as a lark. He was like because he, you know, he he said that basically that self censorship we were talking about. He's like everything he wrote. He was very like self conscious. I don't want he's people like, to think that I'm thinking this way. Or like I will write something great, something that has mm. merit and last. So he really is an intellectual. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you should hear him talk. It's crazy how aware he. I is. love his his, his interviews, interviews are, are amazing. amazing. Yeah. yeah. But uh, kill me like two cokes for that one. <laughs> Boner. So, <laughs> Craven has um. Um, we we've talked about it, and we've all talked about it. The the difference between literature and genre. Yeah, he was always focused on like literature, and then he was like, "I'm just gonna cut loose. No one will ever see it. Yeah, fuck it." And he wrote. He like when he wrote it, he said he wrote it for fun as something that his family and no one he knew would ever see. It was just a fun thing to do. So he wrote with the Stephen King calls it writing with the door closed. You write anything you want because the door's no closed. No one's going to see it. So he just, he wrote it. He just went, went, completely went for it. And then because this was back in the day where you would write one draft and then you'd have people type it up to make more copies, to type it up oh, for right. you. Oh, right. You'd have to have like a, not a stenographer, like a, but a, a teletype yeah, thing yeah. or whatever. So he gave it to this company and he was like, it took like a week or more to get it back. He's like, why is it taking so long? So he went down there, him and this guy that he, he'd shown the, his buddy, the producer, mm-hmm. the script. And they're like, where's the rest of the script? And they went down there and they're like, why is it taking so long? And everyone was like, well, some of the people who are trying to type this up um, are having trouble like typing what you wrote. And he's like, really? Okay. And they're like, and the people who are typing it up, they type a page and then they take the page out and they go and show it first. They give it to someone to read. So like people, Mm. the people who are typing it up, some people were too disgusted to write it. And the people who were able to write it immediately would like finish a scene and then go and show their friends. You've got to read this shit. Like they'd, yeah, they were like constantly being distracted by either one, it being too shocking or it being too good. Right. The script. And they're like, we, you got to fucking read this thing that I'm typing up. Or like, I can't. can't. Oh my God. (laughs) I quit. I quit my job. So he was, that was the point where he was like. Maybe I no should matter, this. Yeah, he's like, no matter which way it's going, this is getting a really strong reaction. So that's when he decided to go forward with that's it. That's really cool. That's yeah. cool. I like that. Yeah, I thought that was a really, I thought that was kind of fun too. I, I, at this point, I have no notes at Mm-mm. all left, but this is why I like doing that show, man. Yeah. What a, like the movie, not great. The discussion, awesome. Dig it. Yep. Totally mm-hmm. awesome. All right. So uh, if you want to hear our thoughts on the remake, uh-huh. you head on over to patreon.com. We are a listener supported podcast. So if you head to www.patreon.com slash Max Peterson, um, you can go and listen to bonus episodes. This month we will be covering uh, the last house on the left remake. You mm-hmm. hear our thoughts. Bird will be sitting in for that one as well. Um, shout outs on the show, all sorts of stuff. Head on over and check it out. Speaking of patrons, we always love to shout out our patrons. John Scheibe, Casey Scheibe, part of this movie takes place in New York as well. (laughs) I doubt either of you will watch this movie, but (laughs) thank you so much for listening to the conversation and supporting the conversation. We also have to thank, as always, Darnell Paulshar. Dar? No. Her Dar. name, you're going to marry her. You should get her name right. It's Danielle Pnelsnish. <laughs> your stuff, Burstens. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, Danielle. Danielle. Can't wait to make you a Hartley. Don't watch this movie. <laughs>
Danielle, don't do it. No, no. Don't ever watch this movie. Cage Teat, yes. Cage Teat, yes. No. This movie, no. This is not a you movie. This is not a you movie. <laughs> you would have more luck watching it, and you're terrified of clowns. And Connor Craven Sweeney. Connor Craven the Beaver Sweeney. Connor Craven the Beaver Cleaver Sweeney. <laughs> That's right, baby. <laughs> Thank you so much for your contribution to our to this thing that you contribute to. Excellent. Does he know what this is? Does he know what he's contributing to? No, no he idea. Doesn't. He goes in blind. He does, yeah. Like, hey, bro, shoot, shoot us a couple bucks every once in a while. And no, he actually listens to every episode. Does he? Yeah. He listens to every episode. Mm-hmm. Well, we've said some weird shit about him, I Carl. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go check Patreon and see if we should still even be thanking him. Probably not. No, he's I'm, fine. Yeah, that's good. Is he fine? No, I don't know. I don't know. Hey, I'll check in with him. By the way, um, I wanted to... Connor Is Connor doing one of the diehards with us, or was he going to do he's one gonna of do the Rockies? Rockies. Okay, right. okay. But we need to get him on before the end of the uh, first season. Correct. For sure. So, I want to have him on. Probably one of the diehards. Guests, listeners, friends, lovers, people with ears... <laughs> You will eventually, you will eventually be hearing the the dulcet tones of, of the, Connor Craven, Beaver, Beaver Cleaver, Cleaver Sweeney. Craven the Beaver Cleaver Sweeney. God damn it! I wish he'd change his name to something <laughs> simpler, like just Connor. Easy. Maybe just Connor Craven. No wait, Connor Sweeney. That would. What be, if he just switched it to that? It would make it easier. It would because we fuck him out his on stupid his name up every time. He's got a hundred and nine names. Hundred and nine names, Sweeney. Yeah, him and his bag farm. I'm trying to think of other things we've said about <laughs> him in the past. Uh, it's a lot. <laughs> and his ten story dick. <laughs> right, he could, Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, Connor. We appreciate you. <laughs> um, uh, I forgot to do this last time, so I'm going to do it this time. Yeah, do it. If you are fucking horrified that we covered The Last House on the Left, or if you didn't listen to this episode because we did such a controversial fucking film, head on over to uh, to your Google, your email account, and you can send us an email at measuringflixpodcast at gmail.com. If you think we didn't go far enough, if you can think of a much worse film than this one. that you Let us know, or or, or just... Send well, us, yeah. yeah, send us your thoughts, send us your questions, send, send us film recommendations, what you want to hear, what you don't ever want to hear us say ever again, any of that stuff. Mostly the shit I say. I'm Measuring, yeah, man. <laughs> I'm going to leave this one in because it was fun, but like sometimes the stuff you say, I'm like, and making a note of that to cut out. <laughs> and I really appreciate that too. <laughs> Measuringflixpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Thank you so much. Um, we know what? In a in a Wes Craven, as part of our, our, our Wes Craven homage and a send off to the man who we did unfortunately lose fairly recently, we're uh, come on, join us next week. We're going to be doing The Serpent and the Rainbow, another Wes Craven, very little known Wes yeah. Craven film. So I'm, I'm excited. It's yep. Uki. It's spooky. It's Halloween spooky. I can't believe we're in Halloween. We're in October, baby. Yeah, you know that last episode's dropping on Halloween. Mm -hmm. Whatever day of the week that (laughs) shit is. All right, so thank you all so much. And don't... (laughs) Don't... Don't buy weed from people. Don't Don't buy weed weed from from Shia LaBeouf. LaBeouf.